Good morning. What a great time worshiping the worthy one. You know, this is really a three-part series on the new covenant versus the old covenant. It's where we find ourselves in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And as I was sitting in the back there and Chris was shepherding the body and doing announcements, I figured he covered it, so I'm going to be teaching today on the virgin birth. So we're not going to do that. But we ought to say amen and go home. Chris covered it and the music was awesome. So praise God. You know, I'm a big Rockies fan. Some of you know that about me. Last night, there were two competing passions that were coming together last night. One was our prayer time at 6.30, and the other was the Rocky game at 6.30. And I was speaking to a brother yesterday afternoon and, and just kind of lamenting about maybe what I should do. And he gave me the freedom. Actually, Christ gave me the freedom. He gave me the freedom, and I said, you know, God's word says, seek the counsel of many. So I thought I would seek the counsel of many to see if I should watch the Rockies game or come to prayer. I decided not to seek the counsel of many. Because I would have avoided any counsel I got. I would have kept getting counsel until I got the counsel that I wanted. So it's just a small example of the freedom that we have in Christ. That, yeah, prayer is a good thing. It's a great thing. It's a necessary thing. It's essential. But I'm sorry for those of you that were here. You weren't ripping me from that TV for no reason. Some of you are going heretic. I've been a lifelong Rockies fan. Rockies, this is, I think, is their 16th year in existence. And I was a season ticket holder with my dad and my brothers from day one. When we kind of got into our financial quandary the last couple of years, we dropped our Rockies tickets two years ago. It had nothing to do with them losing. It had everything to do with our financial situation. And, you know, when they made the World Series, in fact, I was the only one on day one that said they'd be in the World Series this year. Do you believe it? I don't either. I was hopeful that they'd have a 500 season. But when they were on that roll, when they beat Los Angeles, I was in L.A. This is what started the roll. I was in L.A., and it was the bottom of the ninth inning, and they were down, and Todd Helton was up the bat. Does anybody remember what happened? Out of the park. And I was in this restaurant with this friend of mine, and I stood up, and I went, Yeah! And I looked around and go, I'm in L.A. <laughs> and I thought for sure I'd never make it back. But here the, the Rockies are. I've loved them from the beginning. But you know, there's this sense in me. I was in New York for the first two games this week. And nobody back east believes in the Rockies. Nobody does. And I was just kind of in their face, you know, like, okay, yeah, so they lost 13-1 to the first game. Just wait till the second game. Well, I could barely go to breakfast the next morning. Then I started getting frustrated with the Rockies. Like, you know, how could they let me down? You know, they let me down. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for them. I mean, here's this great opportunity for me to wear my Rockies hat and, or buy a Rockies hat. I don't even have one yet. And, you know, what I thought of actually this morning is that the way I felt about the Rockies the last couple of days is the way that many of us think that the Lord thinks about us. Meaning that when we are doing good, when we're on a roll, and things are going great. God is pleased with us. But when we disappoint Him, which, by the way, we're going to find today that we can't disappoint the Lord. There's no disappointment. And that, brothers and sisters, is the new covenant. That there's nothing we can do to please the Lord or to make Him more satisfied with us. It's His shed blood 
and our putting our faith and trust in him, that he sees us now as holy and right positionally. Unlike the way that I see the stinking Rockies. They better win on Monday night. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we praise you. You've shown me so much this week. God, you've shown me that even though my head, I understand your finished work on the cross, that you died once and for all. Lord, I oftentimes at the end of the day beat myself up and strive throughout the day to try to please you in my flesh. And God, I thank you for the truth that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that you have left an amazing deposit with us, the promise of your return. That promise is the Holy Spirit that lives in and empowers every one of us that are believers. God, I thank you that we can do nothing on our own, but that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And God, I pray that, that you would help me speak clearly what it is you want me to speak. Anything that's in my notes or in my head, God, that is from me, and that is going to prevent people from knowing and drawing near to you, the Almighty God, I just pray that you would edit that. And God, if there's things that I haven't thought of or you haven't put on my heart yet, anything I've thought of that you haven't put on my heart, Lord, edit that. And just pray, God, that, that each of us, as a result of your word this morning and, and every day going forward, God, that we would be changed from the inside out by the power of your Holy Spirit and the washing of our minds with your word. It's in Christ's special name we pray. Amen. Just a review of where we've been. Again, we are in chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, verses 5 through 11. The title of this message, first of all, is Glory of the New Covenant. And I've got two subtitles. One is New Life, New Strength. And the second is Not Guilty Forever. Those are the two subtitles. And just to give you a review of where we've been, as we examined last week, Paul is writing 2 Corinthians from Ephesus up in Macedonia. And he has got an urgency to get down to Corinth because of the Judaizers, the false prophets, the heretics that have invaded his church, the church that he started by God's grace in Corinth. And these Judaizers are trying to combine the new covenant with the sacrifices and the rituals of the old covenant. And it could have been seen that he was tooting his own horn a little bit. Because he told the Corinthians that you are my letter. In other words, you are the fruit of my work by God's grace. Your changed life is my letter. And then Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. So Paul clearly states that anything good that comes from him, anything good at all that comes from him is not him, but it's God's Spirit working in him. And let's read 2 Corinthians 3, verses 6 through 11 together. I'm going to start again in 5, actually, because it flows better. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death in letters engraved on stones, came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, fading as it was. 
How shall the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. For indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory on account of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. And at first, this appears to be a confusing passage. In fact, it can be one of the most difficult passages in all of Second Corinthians, if not the New Testament, to dissect. And I kind of approached it that way, which even made it more difficult. But it really isn't a difficult passage. God's Word, all throughout His Word, Old and New Testament, really explains these verses well. So we're going to spend a lot of our time this morning looking at other verses. So I would challenge you this. We're looking at these other verses. Take a note of them and study them on your own. Because it is rich. And, you know, I trusted Christ in 1973 when I was 15. Don't do the math. And I started living for the Lord sometime in the last uh, 15, 16 years. And, you know, I don't know that I've ever fully understood the new covenant and how I am uh, completely free in Christ. Completely free in Christ. And there's nothing that I can do to earn favor with God the Father. We're going to start with verses 6 through 8, and we'll dissect those a bit. And the title of this section is New Life, New Strength. And if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, it says in God's Word that you're a new creation, that you have a new life. And now you've got the strength to obey. The law is good because it shows us our sin and a need for a Savior. If you've got a Bible, would you turn to Romans 7, verses 5 through 13? And I'm going to do a lot more reading today, probably, than I'm going to do talking, which is, I think, a good thing, because everything I'm reading, for the most part, is God's Word. It says this in Romans 7, 5 through 13. For while we were in the flesh, this is talking about before conversion, before you became a Christian. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law, this is so key. Because what the law was for, what the, and we're going to get into this a little more, the purpose of the law is to show us our sin. It's a tutor to show us our sin to lead us to Christ. So it says, for while we were in the flesh with sinful passions, how did we know we had these sinful passions? They were aroused by the law. We're at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. But now we have been released from the law. Praise be to God. Having died to that which we are bound. Who are we bound to now as Christians? You're bound to Christ. We're no longer bound to the law. And we're going to talk about the law. The law is good. Don't think for a second the law isn't good. But believer, you're no longer bound to it. You're bound to Christ. Having died to that which we are bound so that we serve in newness of the spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. So the letter, when you see it in 2 Corinthians 3, is referring to, to the law, to the Old Covenant, to, the, to the, uh, the Ten Commandments. And we are now serving in the newness of the Spirit. We've got God's Spirit living in us that gives us the strength we need to overcome any obstacle. We can do nothing on our own, but we can do all things through Christ Jesus. Verse 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the what? The law. 
For I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin taking opportunity through the commandment, through the law, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Without God's just and perfect law, there would be no sin. If there were no sin, there would not be need for a Savior. And I was once alive apart from the law. That's Paul saying that. I was alive. When there's, when there's no law, there's no sin, so I'm alive. But when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. And this commandment, which was a result in life, proved to result in death for me. For sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it, it killed me. Speaking of eternal death, speaking of no hope. So then the law is holy, it's good, and the commandment is holy, and righteous and good. Therefore, did that which is good become a cause of death for me? Is it the law's fault? May it never be. Rather, it was sin. In order that it might be shown to be sin by affecting my death through that which is good, that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. Folks, there is so much there. There is so much there. And what I'm going to talk about in 30 to 40 minutes is something I would just encourage all of you to spend 30 to 40 days on, as I'm going to as well. It is so deep and it's so foundational. And where it brings my heart is to thankfulness and joy because of Christ's finished work. So the letter is the law. Let's take a look at the next one. The Old Covenant kills. The New Covenant gives life. God made the new covenant through the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, not because there was something wrong with the old covenant, but because there's something wrong with us. What is that thing that was wrong with us? It's sin. That's why Christ came. Because there is no way for us to heal ourselves. And the law wasn't going to do it. I want to read a story that a dear brother of mine turned me on to from J. Vernon McGee. Has anybody ever heard of J. Vernon McGee? If I could, I'd read it just like his voice, but I can't. It's a great illustration, and it's called the spatula illustration. And this is the illustration of the new covenant and what it does for us. He says, let me illustrate, the, <clears throat> let me illustrate this truth by using a very homely incident, the truth of the new covenant. Suppose, they, and remember, I don't know when this was written, so there might be some things in here that are not politically correct, ladies. Suppose a housewife puts a roast in the oven right after breakfast because she's going to serve it for the noon meal. Time goes by and the telephone rings. It is Mrs. Joe Dokes on the phone. Mrs. Dokes begins with, have you heard? Well, the housewife hasn't heard, but she would like to. So she pulls up a chair. Someone has defined a woman as one who draws up a chair when answering a telephone. I don't know why he stuck that in there. Mrs. Dokes has a lot to tell, and about an hour goes by. Finally, our good housewife with the roast in the oven says, Oh, Mrs. Dokes, you'll have to excuse me. I smell the roast. It's burning. She hangs up the phone, rushes to the kitchen, and opens the oven. Then she gets a fork and puts it down in the roast to lift it up, 
but it won't hold. She can't lift it out. She tries again closer to the bone, but it still won't hold. So she gets a spatula. She puts the spatula under the roast and lifts it out. You see what the fork could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. The spatula is able to do. Now there's nothing wrong with the fork. It was a good fork, but it couldn't hold the flesh because something was wrong with the flesh. It was overcooked. The spatula, Christ, does what the fork could not do. The law is like the fork in that it was weak through the flesh. It just won't lift us up. It can't lift us up. But a new principle is introduced, the Holy Spirit. What the law could not do, the Holy Spirit is able to do. Therefore, you and I are to be saved and are to live the Christian life on this new principle. We have a new covenant based upon better promises. God has given to us the Holy Spirit and Christ, our intercessor, is up yonder to help us today. Isn't that a great picture? Christ and the Holy Spirit, your spatula. When you can't get up off the ground, when you're too weak, when you're too burnt out, you know, doing good deeds with that fork is just not going to cut it. But the power of the spatula lifting you up and saying to you, to you, brother and sister, in you I am well pleased. Let me empower you. So the Old Covenant, the law kills. Galatians 3.10 says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Cursed. Without Christ, there's no hope. We are cursed. We are doomed. We can't perform them. We can't do it. Before Christ, we couldn't perform them. And you know what? Guess what? In Christ, on our own, in our acting on our own accord, our own strength, we can't perform them. 2 Corinthians 5, 18-21 says this, For all these things are from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, not counting their trespasses against us. And He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were entreating through us. How are we ambassadors for Christ? Only when God is entreating through us or strengthening us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Next, the Old Covenant is based on our external works. The New Covenant is based on Christ's internal work in us. Galatians 2.16 says, Man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Let that sink in. Christ's internal work. If you know Christ, He is working in you and through you. And the problem that most of us have, the problem that I have, is oftentimes I just don't let Him. Because I'm just too busy trying to do it myself. 
Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His what? His good pleasure. For it is God, brothers and sisters, who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Colossians 1.11 I strengthen with all power according to His glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. Do you have a hard time being patient? I mean, that is my Achilles heel. When I'm not patient, it leads to anger. Does some of you have a problem with not being steadfast? Either being steadfast in your parenting, being steadfast in your work, being steadfast in showing the love of Christ to your neighbors? You know, the problem might be is that we're trying to do it on our own strength. You know, that I'm trying to, I'm trying to suck it up to be patient with my beautiful wife, my wonderful kids. Maybe you're trying to suck it up to be steadfast. I've got to share Christ with my neighbor. I've got to share Christ with my neighbor. I've got to share Christ with my neighbor. So they say, Lord, I can't. I'm scared. I don't even have the words. But I know you died for my neighbor. You shed your blood for my neighbor. Would you give me the strength and the courage to love them like you love them? There's a difference. You see the difference? I want to suck it up. You know? I'm one of those guys that I just feel like I can I can do it on my own. You know? And I look behind me and there's just bodies everywhere. Let's look at the second part of the message. The subtitle is Not Guilty Forever. There ought to be a song about that. Not Guilty Forever. The Old Covenant is good. It's valid. There's a use for it. In fact, it's our tutor that teaches us and leads us to something better. And that something better is what many of us already have. And that's faith in Christ. Galatians 3, 24-26, let me read it. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under the tutor. And I tried to think of an example. My brain was dead, but I'm sure you all can think of examples where you've been taught. And once you've learned it, you don't need the tutor anymore because you've attained it. And what we've attained, if you put your faith and trust in Christ, is you've attained eternal security. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. We're no longer bound to the law, brothers and sisters. The old covenant condemns. The new covenant proclaims us righteous, forgiven. Another word is acquitted, innocent. One of my life verses is, is Romans 8.1. And I've got to keep reminding myself of it. And what a great thing to remind myself of. That there is no condemnation. Zip. Nada. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And what that means is, is that we're not condemned. We're innocent. He sees us as not guilty. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you're having a hard time forgiving yourself, and you've put your faith and trust in Christ, that's the enemy. Because Christ has forgiven you from all the guilt of your sin. And who are we to say, you know, 
I just can't forgive myself. If the God Almighty can forgive you and shed His blood for you to forgive you, lay His life down, certainly you can forgive yourself. Colossians 2, 14-15 says, Having canceled out the certificate of debt, consisting of decrees against us, and which was hostile to us, and He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. You see, before we were in Christ, we were building up a huge debt. Our sins, it was like we... Does anybody else know the debt analogy? I know it all too well. Christ has forgiven us of all of our debt. All of our wrongs. Everything we've done. He forgave it. He canceled it. It's gone. Amen? Amen. Listen to the words. Don't look at my face. Because this is a glorious... This is a unbelievable, this is the most amazing truth on the planet. That we are set free. It doesn't matter what I do today or in the future. There's nothing that can separate me or you from the love of God. It says in Romans 7 somewhere, I think the end of Romans 7, it says, Should we continue to sin that grace may abound all the more? Because we're covered by grace, aren't we? That was kind of my motto when I came to Christ at age 15. I was saved by grace, and I trampled upon that grace in a big way. And what I really did, and I'm not even quite sure I was saved at that time, what I really did is I took hell insurance. And I said, okay, Lord, thank you for dying. Stay right there. And I went and I lived my life for probably 15 years. But if you were His, you're free. And He can give you the strength. That's the new covenant. He gives you the strength to overcome sin. Romans 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace. It's not like with Chase, where I still don't have peace with them yet, or the IRS, where I still don't have complete peace. He forgave my debts. We're a complete peace. Can you wrap your mind around it? I can't. Can you wrap your mind around it? That there's nothing you could do to earn His favor. And there's nothing you can do to separate yourself from Him. The law was totally incapable of producing any good in man. Once we have trusted Christ, we are declared righteous. Righteousness means being fully accepted. Having a sense of being approved by God, of being honored and cherished by Him. Do you feel approved by God? You are. doesn't matter what you did. He says, I love you. Have you ever gone to bed at night, wondered if you had tried just a little bit harder? Maybe you could have done something that would have made God pleased in you. Or maybe just, Lord, I'm sorry. I just, I, I, I didn't quite make it. I didn't measure up today. You know what that is? I didn't, I, Lord, I didn't, I didn't read my word today. I didn't read your word today. I didn't come to prayer last night. 
That's the ministry of condemnation. Folks, there are disciplines that the Lord wants us to partake in. Prayer, time in the Word, fellowship with believers, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with with outsiders. But when we start operating as if we're under the ministry of condemnation, and we're not doing it as a response, a natural response to God's love for us, that's the ministry of condemnation. We know what we're supposed to do. And some of you are going to, I don't know, maybe, it's something I have a hard time processing. But everything I do, I don't want to sin. And everything I want to do, I want to do it for the glory of God. But I know I can't muster it up on my own. And I'm just learning that. And where are those blind spots in your life? Where are you prone to sin? Do you have a hard time wanting to get into God's Word? Do you have a difficulty spending time with Christ? Do you lack courage when it comes to sharing Christ with people? Don't beat yourself up. Talk to your daddy. Tell him you know, God, I know this is what you want me to do. Would you give me the strength and desire to want to do it? Would you give me the courage? Are you tracking with me? Give me a nod if anybody's tracking. Last two. Old covenant is temporary. New covenant is permanent. It's everlasting. In Hebrews 10, 1, it says, For the law, or the old covenant, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very form of things, can never by the same sacrifices year by year, which they offer continually, make perfect those who draw near. What a great picture. The old covenant is a shadow. And you know, you, you can't live in the shadow of your house. It goes away. you got to live in the house. Okay, the shadow is temporary. You know, it might make you feel good on a sunny day. But that shadow is going to go away. But the new covenant, believer, is permanent. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also died for sins. How many times did he die for sins? Once. And who did he die for? For all. For Christ also died for sins once for all. The just for the unjust. In order that he might bring us to God. The law couldn't bring us to God. The law could point us to Christ. The law could not reconcile us with the Father. Having been put to death in the flesh. But made alive in the spirit. Believer, we're dead. We are dead to our flesh. Even though that flesh raises itself up. But we are alive in the spirit. If anybody wants to do a further study on this, I'm going to give you just some other key scriptures to have you examine. And there really is just certain blocks of the Bible that you want to look at. And it is magnificent when you start peeling it back. Hebrews chapters 8 through 11. Galatians chapters 3 through 4. Jeremiah chapter 31, Ezekiel chapter 11, Exodus chapter 34, Romans chapter 7 through 10. And I probably missed a couple, but if you spend time in those, you're going to walk away changed. You're going to walk away with a new idea, a new picture, a new understanding 
of what it looks like to live in Christ and to be powered by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Two principles we covered today. One is new life, new strength. And the other is not guilty forever. Bow your heads with me, would you? Heavenly Father, I praise you and worship you. Thank you that you loved us enough to send your son Jesus as a ransom for our lives, to reunite us with you. And God, I thank you that that you gave us a way to you, that you gave us a bridge to cross the chasm of eternity in hell, and that that bridge is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you, God, that you left the Holy Spirit with us, and that the Spirit of the living God lives in us and gives us the strength and the power to press on, gives us the strength and the power to love the Lord Jesus with all our heart and strength, to love our neighbor as ourself. God, I thank you so much that you reign on high, that you are on your throne. And God, I beg you that my voice or my tone or my face, Lord, that would not lead to any condemnation, but Lord, that people would find joy in these truths. This is a joyful message. And that we are on such a firm foundation and that you are our foundation. You promise to never leave us nor forsake us. Never. It doesn't matter what we do. And we give you all the glory and the power and the honor. And Christ's people said, Amen. Come on up. We've got a special surprise here, folks. Would you give a warm welcome to our brother Willie? I've just got a question. Those of you that have never met Willie or his wife, would you raise your hand? A number of you have. And uh, Willie was our teaching pastor for the first six years of uh, the life of Windsor Community Church. And this man had an itch from the day we opened these doors. We scratched it for him for six years, and finally it was just so strong that he needed to go do what he does, and that's the plan of the church. So we've uh, asked him, and it's been too long, quite frankly, brothers and sisters, and it's not his lack of willing to come. It's been our lack of invitation. When we, when you and I, all of us planted the O'Burks and 30 other brothers and sisters, kids, there was a sense of joy and excitement, but there was also a, particularly in the leaders, a sense of fear, I think. And Willie was our full-time guy. The administrative team went with him, Rich and Dustin, a lot of the worship team. And we kind of approached this thing with some fear. You know, almost afraid of what's going to happen here. And for that, the Lord just put in my heart that I personally need to repent and ask your forgiveness for operating out of fear and not out of excitement. Would you forgive me? Brother, would you forgive me? Yeah. Love you so much. Good morning. I love this brother. It is so good to be back. It's like coming back to where I grew up. You know, like on Thanksgiving, and you go back home, and everything's familiar, and it smells good. Because, well, it just smells familiar, and there's good food. I don't know, I don't know why it smells good. But anyway, um, 
but you come back and you're familiar, you know, you're in familiar surroundings where you were loved and where you grew up, and that's how it feels here. And I just really, really grateful God to be back. And for those of you who do know me, you know I'm married, and my wife is definitely I married up, absolutely. Without her, I don't know what I'd be for sure. But she couldn't be here this morning in person, but she is here in spirit. And she made me promise to tell everybody hello from Lisa. Uh, so uh, she's here with us in spirit. Uh, guys, I'm so glad Dan asked me to come out today. I'm here really for two reasons, I think. Number one, I, I have some notes. Dan, you're going to have to just show me the time, brother, and let me know when i gotta, when I got to stop. So I am a preacher after all. But you know there's been 14 months since we got sent, 14 months, and I, almost to the day, I think. I think it was uh, August 20th when we were officially sent, and then August 27th, 2006, when we had our first time together. You know, it's officially, you know, away from Windsor Community Church. And so in those 14 months, God has done some wonderful things. But I want to just go back there for a second. And, you know, what Dan is talking about here is he's pouring his heart out and thinking through all the dynamics. You know, it was a scary time in a lot of ways. And I just, I want to, I want to thank you guys on behalf of everybody at Crosswood Chapel of Greeley. Your, I guess we're sister churches, you're our mother church. I mean, we're a connected body, same DNA. You guys sent us out, and that took so much guts. That just took courage. Because Dan's right. We took about 30-ish people. A couple other folks joined us from Mountain View. But we're not just talking. I mean, we're talking about key leaders. Not just myself, but a couple other guys who are leading life groups and, and men and women who are essential to different ministries here. So key leaders, key servants, key giving and givers. And we... You know, it's, it's one thing, I think, to say that you're committed to something, and we always said we're committed to church planting. It's a value, uh, I guess it's more of a belief or an intention. But to actually do it takes faith and sacrifice. And that's what this church did. So from the bottom of my heart and from the heart of everybody across the Chapel Greeley, we thank you for that. It's been long overdue to tell you that, too. So what has God done since then? You know, back in the day, some 16, 17 months ago, we had a lot of leadership meetings where we were felt like God was transferring our hearts over to a different place, certainly my heart, of how we do ministry and why are we doing this. And, and certainly from my heart, I, I, I think it's fair to say, and, and for a lot of us, we were God was really kind of pulling at us that the day when you, you, you're attractional, you know, you just merely... Uh, build a building and and put out nice colorful flyers and tell people what you have to offer church-wise and here's our agenda and our menu and come uh, those days are fading those days are going away and also alongside of that you know that's not what jesus did i don't read in the verses anywhere and i've tried but he didn't send out one flyer he always went where there were souls and so this is kind of what the stirring was, and that began long before we even planted. When we planted a church, when you guys sent us out, we took a risk, a calculated risk. This was the second church plant that I was personally a part of. And, you know, since we planted in Greeley uh, this last 14 months, we've seen at least two churches plant in Greeley as well or in the area. And they did it the, the old-fashioned way, you know, they... They sent out the flyer in the mail, and they swept it across the communities and did it a couple of times. And, and you hear about what happened, and they got a lot of people there, and they tell you what they have. And we just didn't do it that way. And by the way, I don't want to condemn or 
you know, make you think I'm condemning or judging anybody for how they do things. We just, I'm just telling you, we made a calculated risk not to do it that way. And what we did instead is we said, okay, here's, here's our vision. Here's our mission. We want, first of all, to love Jesus. It's very simple. We want to love Jesus. And we want to love people. We want to love Jesus and love people. You know, when Jesus was gathering the multitudes of sinners and outcasts and lowlifes, there was always those pod of religiously prideful people there too. And there was all kind of mixture. There was people who believed what he said. There's people who were skeptical. There's people who just didn't understand it. But he gathered all these people. And you always see Jesus go away after the crowd was gone and pray to the Father. He was tempted in every way that we are yet without sin. So he had this deep connection to the Father. So as he was being a missionary from heaven, a heaven missionary, he always had this extremely close connection with God the Father. Well, that's what we wanted. We wanted the people in our body to have a close connection, to be disciples themselves. But then we also saw Jesus go to the people. And he had connections with all kinds of people, all kinds of encounters that he had and and that was what we wanted the, the folks in the body to do. Leaders first. Is that we want to make connections. And so we said, Here, here's, the, here's the deal, guys. We're not going to send out flyers. And we may not grow very fast right away, and that's okay. But take a look around at your life and who you already connected with. Neighbors, co-workers. And you guys, have, if you've heard me preach, you hear me, it's like the same. It's like a one-string guitar, right? Neighbors, the co-workers, your friends, your family. Do you have hobbies? Do you have interests? Okay. When you go to those hobbies, when you go bowling, if you're a bowler, I guarantee you there's other people bowling. They have the same like heart of bowling that you do. Are you connecting with them? Well, naturally you are. You're bowlers. So look around and who are you already doing life with? There you go. And what do you do? Do you share the gospel with them the first time you see them? Well, that's only if the Lord, I guess, leads that way. But here's your mission. Go and love them. Be their friend. Accept them where they are. You might have a different moral take. You might have a different take in terms of, you know, you know you live by the, the Scriptures, and but they don't yet. And, and But just where are they at? That's where you meet them at. And be real. Love these guys. Be friends. And somehow we thought that, you know, we're going to have the truth right there. You know, loving people doesn't mean you lie to them. So when the subject comes up, when the questions come up, and you've already built a platform where they trust you, then you can share their faith with them. But that's what Jesus did. He built faith, gospel-sharing platforms. And you got to kind of earn that with people. you got to earn their trust. So be friends. And somehow in that dynamic, we're going to build a church. And some folks said, yeah, I get it. Some folks looked at me like you're looking at me right now. You're nuts, big guy. But with 30 people we started out with and just seeing the life we have in our, in our church body, there's life groups. Our college ministry really is a life group. Relationship, relationship, relationship all over the place. By the grace of God, we're well over 110 people now. And we still haven't sent those colorful flyers. And it's, it's been all because we, we're staying connected with the Lord Jesus. 
we're willing to serve. And, and you know, I, I just uh, heard a, uh, a speaker, uh, Dan and I, we were, and all the pastors, we were together at this breakfast last week, a guy that wrote the Externally Focused Church. And he said, you know, those existing things in the community, they may not be Christian organizations, but they're trying to do good things to the community and help people. He said, instead of condemning them for not believing the Bible, join them in your service, not in your philosophy and morality and beliefs, but come alongside, because at least these people are giving value to the soul, to the humanity. Come alongside them and help. Just roll your sleeves up and see what you can do. And what will happen in that dynamic is you'll build platforms for sharing what's true about Jesus Christ and about sin and death and life. And so we've done that. We've, you know, Greeley, there's all kind of opportunities to share our lives and our service and our hearts with people who are underprivileged. You know, I've seen lives changed right in front of my eyes. I've seen people who are messy as messy can be feel the love of Christ from this body and they give their souls to Jesus. So, that's what's happening in Greeley. And, and I know that we have, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir right now, I know you guys have the, the same heart. We just need your prayers, guys. We need, you know, again, that connection with the Lord. Because when you're inviting, you know, you're, you're, you're connecting your life. I mean, in our body, we have lost people. And very young people in the, in the Lord. And we're not sure if they're saved or not. And we have mature believers. And we have all this. But there's really this, this strong sense that the Lord Jesus is alive there. And people, they feel accepted and loved. And believe me, we don't lie to them. We share what's true. But they, they, they feel that love. But when you, when you offer and you open up your arms to people who are lost, well, guess what? They come. And we just need your prayers. We need your prayers for just to keep doing, I guess, what we're doing. And, and then I get distracted by this uh, world full of distractions. And if there's anything that I've learned, too, it's just how quickly a Christian can judge another person. It's amazing. And I, I'm saying that to, to my own, you know, failing. And I think I'm learning, and I've learned probably more than I ever have, that I just don't want to do that anymore. And I don't need to do that anymore. Because the hurdle, it, we could build it high, but nobody can jump over it, as Dan's preaching about today. And just giving in to the Holy Spirit and just surrendering, and watching Him work and letting Him work. And it's, a, it's an amazing thing. We need your prayers to keep doing that. And we're going to pray for you, too. We're going to continue to pray for you, too. So I guess that's it. There's an update. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness in the life of my brother and his uh, wonderful wife, Lisa. And God, thank you for the testimony of the great things that you are doing in Greeley. And God, we ask that Willie and the other pastors, the other leaders would stay totally dependent on you. And God, that you would work your manifold grace in the lives of the unregenerate, the people that have yet to come to know you in Greeley, Colorado. God, I thank you for the people that you've brought to this body, this sister church in Greeley. And God, we just pray that you would continue to grow them in the uh, love and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would grow in their intimacy with you. Father, out of that intimacy, Lord, they would want to just uh, shout from the mountaintops that they would not be able to stop telling people about what they've seen and heard. And, Lord, that many lives would be changed. God, we thank you for the bond that we have in Christ, 
first and foremost. God, we thank you for the bond that we have in this little network of churches. And God, I pray that you would use each of us collectively to make known the name of Jesus Christ in Windsor, Fort Collins, Greeley, Wilmington, Oregon, Chicago, Czech Republic, and God, anywhere else that you lead. Lord, don't ever let us play church. Don't ever let us rely on the flyers, as Willie said, bringing people in. Don't ever let us be satisfied with the tails and seats. But, Lord, we uh, desire to be satisfied in you and watching you do your thing in the lives of your people. It's in Christ's special name we pray. Amen.